Hello and welcome to Broccoli News Extra, a programme where you get another chance to catch up on our recent interviews, including updates from in and around the hospital, local charities and special guests. I'm Alan Joyce and coming up on today's programme, we look back at the recent NHS 70 celebrations as the NHS reached an incredible milestone. There are special events taking place here at the RNOH and we'll bring you some of the highlights from that. Plus we'll also hear from Bob Blackman MP, who is the Member of Parliament for Harrow East and he looks back on the history of the NHS and of the RNOH. Don't forget Radio Broccoli is with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So stay tuned to London's longest running hospital radio station and the UK's official number one hospital radio. It is the multi award-winning Radio Broccoli. Bob Blackman is MP for Harrow East, the local constituency of the RNOH. Since his appointment in 2010, he has worked to support the hospital's work and aided in the campaign to fundraise for the new hospital currently being rebuilt. Our reporter, Caroline Keating, caught up with Bob to discuss his connection with the hospital. I'm with a gentleman this morning who um, is known to everybody at the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital. He once described the work here as being one of the top centres for muscular, skeletal and orthopaedic care, not only nationally but internationally. He's worked hands-on in um, the actual grounds of the hospital. He's worked tirelessly outside the hospital for the sake of the hospital. I'd like to introduce you to Mr Bob Blackman, MP for Harrow East. Ah, good morning. Let's start off by asking you about um, the work you've done hands-on. So when you've been in the hospital before, how far back does it go and what's, what are your memories of working here? Well, I, I think my first visit to the hospital goes back uh, to the early noughties, as it were, the, the early 2000s, uh, when I came here to find out really what the hospital was all about and uh, did some work with one or two of the charities just as a volunteer. I mean, I wasn't uh, uh, looking as a politician, but just to find out what, what was going on. Uh, because it's always been here as a hospital and it's always been an outstanding example, as you've quite rightly said, of a brilliant centre of excellence and people from literally a very wide field uh, across the country come here because of the specialist treatment and the brilliant treatment given by the doctors and nurses. Uh, more recently, uh, since I was uh, elected to Parliament, uh, I have cooperated with yeah, Barbara's Buses, which are, offer a brilliant service of transporting people around, uh, in, particularly in the local area, once again, tasked by, uh, by volunteers that do a brilliant job. Uh, and uh, they've just celebrated, of course, 50 years of, uh, of service to the people locally and to the hospital. Um, I also uh, assisted. And, I, you know, I don't all, I think one of the problems that a lot of people face is, you know, people making great claims of I've done this and I've done that. I assisted with uh, bringing together the local Hindu community and the local Jewish community to come together in a unique uh, savor uh, uh, exercise so that they could come and clear the gardens. Um, that was in November 2017? Yes, indeed. And, and of course, that, that was part and parcel of the Jewish community saying, we're going to give uh, a day of service, and the Hindu community saying, we're going to give a day of service. Uh, now, funnily enough, those days sometimes coincide, most times they don't coincide. Uh, uh, but this time we managed to persuade the two groups to come together, work together, so people met each other 
um, on a volunteering basis. And they completely cleared the gardens uh, in, and such that now we're talking about getting that done on a regular basis so that uh, patients and people working in the hospital can actually enjoy the gardens. Well, I have been up to the spinal injuries ward recently and in this lovely heat, the garden is looking beautiful. So it's lovely that you're able to bring the community together to work for things like that for our benefit. Yeah, well, one of the roles I fulfil as a a member of parliament is uh, I don't have that much executive power. You know, I can't make decisions. What I can do is try and bring people together to cooperate. And so uh, if I act as a focal point for that and that helps, that's great, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and uh, when the community makes these sorts of initiatives for their local hospital, that's even better. So, you know, if I can help in any such way, then I'm very happy to do so. Um, but but what we should remember is that this is all volunteers, people giving their time uh, because they care. Uh, and that's that's good news, because I think if, if we get people locally uh, to understand that this hospital not only is a wonderful NHS hospital, but it's also uh, various different aspects of the hospital. We do require people voluntarily to give their time to help other people. Um, and, and none of us know when we might need that help and assistance as well. So I think the people that have, have given their time, I think, is, uh, is fantastic. I also uh, obviously cooperated uh, for quite a long time uh, with the friends of the the hospital and the shop that was was being run um, and of course that raised an enormous amount of money for the hospital uh, over the years and I think that's something that uh, is almost irreplaceable um, going forward but you know things move on. Also you were involved with um, Wheels for Ease operated by the Friends. Yes indeed Wheels for Ease and that's a, that was a, that, that's a great experience. I mean I, I remember um, back in my university days uh, and uh, in my university days, which I go back to the 1970s, uh, and uh, in my hall of residence, I had a wheelchair user. Uh, and uh, at the time, you know, we're going back now to yeah, 40 odd years. At the time, we, we weren't so aware of the difficulties that wheelchairs users experience is just enjoying their normal way of life. And so we did an audit of the whole of the University of Liverpool about the access for wheelchair users. And it was shocking, absolutely shocking, that people that use wheelchairs could not basically access education. Uh, and so we made quite a change. And so that, that made an in, enormous impression on me at the time to say, well, you know, this, this poor guy uh, was born um, without the use of his legs. And um, we, we went round together uh, and did this audit, and you think, my goodness, you know, he was mm. perfectly able to to study, but he just wasn't able to access the the study areas. Uh, so we made we made quite a dramatic difference then, and that was forty odd years ago. Uh, moving on, of course, we we now have this centre of excellence has been around for a long time, uh, which deliberately takes the view of saying, how can we get people to be as mobile as possible? But as you say, Wheels Freeze quite clearly uh, is, is, a, is a charity orientated at, at making the fact that people that are wheelchair users being a, enabled to fill their, fulfil their lives, really, um, uh, in the best way possible. And I have a personal sort of relation with this because um, now, very sadly, my sister is confined to a wheelchair. Uh, and uh, so she knows 
what it's like um, to, to experience that. So I've got it in the family as well as uh, being, you know, obviously very keen to help and assist where I can the, the hospital. Oh, that's very good to know. Um, also, you've been not just within the hospital, you've actually worked beyond the hospital in Parliament, um, putting through... Um, in 2013, you first mentioned about the the facilities here and the work that's being done. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, it goes back even longer. Um, back in uh, 2009, uh, when I was a candidate to be elected to Parliament, I brought Andrew Lansley here, uh, who was, of course, Shadow Secretary of State for Health at the time. Uh, and as you all know, and as all, all of us know, that it's been long promised by governments of all persuasions uh, of rebuilding the hospital. Uh, and you know, I was struck, and, and on all my visits, I've been struck by the fact of the brilliant work being done by superb doctors and nurses and, and all the other staff in, quite frankly, Dickensian conditions. Uh, I mean, it, you know, when when you see people having to be wheeled to operations through the open air, uh, and and literally up steep slopes um, to get to operating theatres, uh, and then the conditions in the wards where uh, you're almost open to the open air, uh, it was just scandalous. Uh, and and governments of all persuasions had, had promised, oh yes, we'll help rebuild the hospital and we'll do this, uh, and we'll do that. And so I brought Andrew here uh, in 2009 and he committed that if uh, the Conservatives were elected to Parliament and, and to, to the government, then the government would provide the funding to rebuild the hospital. Uh, so that goes back to 2009. Of course, I was elected in 2010 uh, and then um, I battled um, in, uh, as most people would be aware, um, there was a, a big battle about finances to do with both uh, our current day-to-day -day expenditure and more importantly for the hospital's sake capital expenditure was going to be dealt with uh, and over the weekend when the budget was being put together uh, I was on the phone constantly saying look my one ask my one ask and nothing else for the constituency my one ask is that we provide the money to rebuild the hospital so that goes back to 2010 uh, and I'm glad to say that, of course, the funding for the hospital was announced then in the summer budget. Um, unfortunately, as we all know, uh, it's one thing for the Treasury to announce the funding, uh, but it's quite another for the National Health Service to go through the elongated process of battling to get that money uh, approved. Uh, and so uh, together with the board of the hospital and so many other uh, people involved and, and uh, I could go through all the names of the, the people involved and uh, and obviously you know, Rob Hurd as, as chief executive, Professor Goldstone is the, the chairman and Tim Briggs in particular are have been stalwarts on behalf of the hospital. I've been advocating the need to redevelop the hospital but I think I think it's fair to say that many members of staff were thinking, will it ever happen? Because it had dragged on for so long and there'd been so many false dawns. Uh, and so when we when we battled away, I, I was battling through Parliament, constantly berating health ministers, constantly talking to Treasury ministers. Uh, and it is one of those things where, as a politician, you might think, well, you've made the decision, just get on with it. And I think that's one of the problems that we've previously experienced here, that... Politicians thought, yes, decisions have been made, that, that's it. But actually you have to carry on battling away 
almost behind the scenes, persisting and persisting, keep nagging away until finally you get to the point at which money was uh, spent. We brought Jeremy Hunt here um, on a number of occasions uh, and he saw at first hand uh, the challenges for, for staff um, and therefore it was a relief more than anything else when we finally got approval for the funding um, through the National Health Service um, system. I, mean, they, I understand completely the battles that we have internally within the health service over expending money, but it does seem to me to be bureaucracy gone wild that we have to go through so many hurdles. And I think probably more money has been spent on studies to why the hospital should be rebuilt than probably will be spent on rebuilding the hospital. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've had, to, I've had to battle to get it through and I'm delighted, you know, that we are at the point whereby slowly but surely we can see the new hospital building uh, being assembled. We'll see other buildings around the site as well. And the most important thing, I think, is that now that decision has been made and we've brought it to fruition, it means that the future of the hospital on this site is safeguarded. And I think that's very important for so many people locally who, who work here, um, but obviously all the people that, that depend on the services um, that, that live around here. All the red tape that has gone through, would you say it's more or less finished from your point of view or have we got more to come? Um, I'm always wary about uh, the the bureaucrats and bean counters that exist in the National Health Service. I always want to see value for money. I mean, clearly that's what, what the public purse should be. I mean, I think the problem is that every time we've put a business case in or we've justified why the need has been there, a new barrier has emerged. Uh, and I just think, um, I, I, I did actually go through in Parliament once the various different stages that, that uh, you have to go through in order to get a delivered project. Uh, it, there are about nine different stages where, and I, I completely accept the National Health Service is not a business, but it should be a case that you submit a business plan for the project and then you make a decision on that but instead you do you start with an outline draft business case then you have a draft business case and, and I could go on basically mm. we, we go through nine different stages of different approvals and it takes forever to get to make a decision probably in the hope that you give up uh, and the reality is that I think the board and everyone involved was in the position of saying oh my goodness is it worth the hassle and grief uh, of continuing but I'm delighted that everyone did and everyone stuck with it that I was able to intercede um, directly with the Prime Minister at one stage to say look we are now in the position yeah. whereby we're now in the position whereby a decision needs to be made we are spending billions of pounds on the National Health Service quite rightly but we are for the want of a loan of 17 million we're in the position whereby we can't get this decision made. And this is a centre of national excellence. Uh, so you almost have to pound the table at times uh, to, to make things happen. And, you know, fair play, we might we managed to get to achieve it. Uh, but I think, I suspect that, um, without saying too much, if we hadn't had a board that was determined to make it happen, if we hadn't had, had me as the MP, you know, banging on the table saying we must get this done, then it wouldn't have happened. Um, so it's, it's, I'm not wanting to claim all the credit for this, far from it, because the people that have done all the work uh, deserve the credit. I hope that I've helped achieve 
the, the new hospital build, which I think is going to be excellent. It, it, it just gives a great boost for everyone um, that's been involved with the hospital for so long. Well, I feel that I should say a thank you from all the patients and the staff that work here, not just to you, but to all the people that have been involved in the new build. It's looking great. It's looking like it's coming along very quickly. Can I just ask you, as we wind up, um, that's obviously a new future for the NHS as we're moving forward. What are your hopes for the NHS as we move forward now? Well, clearly, we uh, we as a government have, have committed additional funding for the National Health Service. What we've got to make sure of is that, that money is used as effectively as possible to promote not only um, curing people uh, of, of illnesses, but assisting people to live longer, healthier lives as a result of uh, I- interaction. I personally depend on the National Health Service uh, for my health. And five years ago, I had a major operation, which was life-threatening through the National Health Service. Uh, I'm pleased to say it was successful <laughs> and that I'm, I'm here. That, that service demonstrated to me at first hand how powerful and good the National Health Service is. Um, but there are shortcomings, and we all have to understand that. The first, you know, one of the things is there's enormous wastage within the health service, I think, of um, uh, where people either don't turn up to appointments or, or skip treatment that they should undertake, where they don't take notice of, of, of advice given by doctors and nurses. Uh, and, and my advice to all patients and to, to everyone is listen to what the nurses have said, listen to what the doctors have said and follow their advice. Uh, because funny enough, you'll get out of hospital quicker <laughs> uh, and you'll be better off as a result. Uh, often, you know, one of the experiences I had as a, as a patient within the health service was seeing all these various different patients almost refusing to do what nurses or doctors had told them to do to get themselves fit and ready to leave hospital uh, as quickly as possible. And I think that's sad because at the end of the day, uh, we all depend on on the health service for treatment. And if we do cooperate with the health service, funny enough, we get better, quicker and we're healthier. Um, it, it, you know, it's not rocket science in many ways, but but it, for me, um, we are now in the position whereby we are curing diseases that hitherto you could never have cured. And my, both my parents very sadly died of cancer 40, more than 40 years ago. Today, they would have lived much longer because they could have been treated because of the research that we're doing. And so medical science has advanced quite dramatically and I think the hope for the future is that we will enable more and more people to live longer and healthier lives. We'll cure diseases that at the, today we, we can't see a cure for. Uh, and we'll enable people to actually be surviving um, in a way that they, they don't. Then our challenge is after that is to make sure that those the quality of life that people enjoy is improved as well. And, and all this is you know, funded and assisted by the taxes that we pay. Um, so, uh, you know, we know already um, that around here, around Stanmore, we have uh, a population that lives longer than most parts of London, uh, which is good news. Um, but we've got to enable them to, to have a, a, a good quality of life, you know, late into to life. And, uh, and no have... matter what, their disability. Well, absolutely. I mean, the point is that what we I always say to people, we should be concentrating on what people can do 
rather than what they can't do. Uh, and, and you just know that, that that often people that are wheelchair users in particular, um, we, we you go back to the old days of uh, the BBC programme, you know, does he take sugar? Uh, mm-hmm. Where people would routinely, yeah. you know, pass by the, the, the wheelchair user and look at the person pushing the wheelchair and say, well, what, what's he? No, actually, we, we should be looking at what someone can do. And when you see what some of the abilities of people to play sport, um, to do... Uh, jobs. I mean, one of the things I say about wheelchair users: if they're working in an office, they don't, you don't even have to buy them a chair; they bring it with them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I guess. But the point is that we should actually look at what people can do. And of course, if people have suffered a spinal injury and therefore um, are, are struggling through rehabilitation, that's something that that we need to help and assist with. And and we also have to remember that there's an effect on their mental health as well because obviously someone that was uh, fully able-bodied and then suffers a terrible injury uh, will be affected mentally as well as physically. And so we have to look at all aspects of, of, of someone's health. But I think the great thing is that, that we've now got the capability to do that and rejuvenate um, the view of people that are, uh, are either have spinal injuries or other types of injuries that, that, that make them or would have made them in the past, you know, disabled and therefore forgotten about and put on the scrap heap now we're saying actually you can live a very fulfilled life uh, uh, despite your injury that you've suffered well i think that the new facilities that will come in the new hospital will certainly enable lives to be extended and to be lived yeah. in a way that they'll be more enjoyable Yes, indeed. Uh, I'd like to thank you very much for taking the time to come down and speak to us today. And um, we feel that uh, our NHS is certainly in good hands, certainly in Harrow East. Thank you very much. Well, this is Hospital Radio Broccoli, London's longest running hospital radio station. And this is a very special edition of Broccoli News Extra, celebrating 70 years of the NHS. Now, the RNOH had a very special celebration evening attended by the RNOH chairman, Tony Goldstone, the CEO, Rob Hurd, and many other staff and volunteers of the hospital. Our team of reporters went along to see what happened. So let's join Kate Beattie and also Keith Reeve. Right, I'm with Les Collin, who's one of our wonderful RNOH volunteers here at the hospital, and also is an ex-member of staff, aren't you, Les? I certainly was here. I was here for seven years. I came in as a patient. Um, I felt I had to give something back. When I re- uh, finished, when I had my operation and had my, done my recovery time, I applied as on the bank. And from the bank, they said to me, do you want to work for a couple of months in purchasing? I said a couple months will be fine. I was a purchasing manager. Two months led to seven and a half years. I've retired and I couldn't wait to come back again and help out and give back this time. Fabulous, thank you. What do you do here as a volunteer now? Um, I now work in outpatients department. I meet and greet with people, make them feel comfortable, make them smile, make them feel at ease. They're coming into somewhere where totally strange. They don't know what's wrong with them or they do know what's wrong with them. They need a friend, someone to chat with. So I'm here to do my best and to to comfort them if they need something or if any of the nurses need anything. You know, it's not just the patient, it's nurses, doctors. I'm a gopher. If they need it to be done, I do it. No arguments. Brilliant. Thank you, Les, and enjoy the evening. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Hi there. How are you enjoying the celebrations this evening? I think it's lovely. It's great to see all your colleagues and... uh, it's just nice to meet other people as well, and it's, um, yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, because I guess working in a large hospital, you don't 
very often get to see everybody all in the same place like this. Yes, that's true. I mean, mainly I'm a, I'm a buggy driver, so uh, driving a buggy around, you you mainly get to see the patients, yes, which is great. Of course. Um, but but we maybe not your colleagues. And maybe not so much yeah. our colleagues. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, yeah. But having events like this is fantastic. And it's great to be here celebrating the NHS for you. Yeah, it's it's lovely to be here. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying it at the moment. Um, I've had a little bit of drink and. Um, I'm, I'm going over to the cakes now. Okay. So, I'm not uh, going to get in your way then. You so. are getting in my way, so move over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, okay. Okay. No, not, so not enjoy, at all. Enjoy the rest of the evening. Lovely. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Thank you for coming. I know you're waiting only to hear the choir, so we will be very brief. Just to thank each and every one of you for your service to the NHS. The NHS, as you know, saw the first patient, a 13-year-old young lady called Sylvia, at what used to be called Park Hospital Davyhume on the 5th of July, 1948. She did very well. I'm not clear what was wrong with her, but it was the first great success of the NHS. What many of you may not know was that her grandson, that first patient in the NHS, eventually married the great-granddaughter of Clement Attlee, which is quite an extraordinary uh, coincidence, as he was the Prime Minister at the time in 1948. And you can work out the difference between uh, the grandson and the great-granddaughter by the fact that she was 13 and Clement Attlee was whatever he was. So, thank you all for everything you've done and will continue to do uh, for the next 70 years. We, uh, we want a little bit more money and a lot of thinking about how to do it rather better, but I think that's a little bit delayed. So thank you all. I'm going to hand over to Rob for a couple of words, and then we will hear the choir. Thank you very much, all of you. Uh, thank you, Chair. So uh, good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for turning out. I've, I've just come back from an illustrious celebration of 70 years of the NHS from Westminster Abbey, and I much prefer this one. This is the spirit of the RI. Woo! It's great formality. Um, but I think really today is about um, a celebration for us all, and a thank you to the staff of the National Health Service. And I always say this, I use the opportunity when I'm speaking in front of people to say how proud I am to be the Chief Executive of the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital, how proud I am of the staff that work in this organisation and what you do for your patients. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And let's hope we go on, continue to go on and succeed as we have been and all the money comes our way and we succeed as an organisation. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud of you all, so thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do for us. Um, and well done for getting us to this point. So, without further ado, what you're really here for is to listen to our wonderful choir. Um, my thanks go to you all for all that you've done to get us to this, to have an uplifting moment for us all. I will introduce you to the RNOH Buttercup Choir. <laughs> Celebration Celebrates our NHS 
mark 70 years. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We're going to celebrate our birthday with you. Come on now. It's our new building. Celebrate 
Congratulations there Thank on you. your Thank choir. You so much. Thank uh, you. That was a fantastic kickstart to this evening's celebrations. How, how do you feel it went? Uh, it went really well. I'm so proud of those girls and boys who did that for me because we practiced long and hard, uh, and you know it's many ups and downs. And when you when you're rehearsing, but when it actually came to it, they did a sterling job. Well done to them. They did. Yeah, yeah, fabulous. And what does it mean to you to be celebrating 70 years of the NHS this evening? Oh, it, it, it's really it really means a lot. I've been in the NHS now for 36 years. I trained at Bart's Hospital in uh, 1982, came up here in 1986 and I've been here ever since, so I'm in my 33rd year. I, I love it. Um, I'm very proud to be a nurse. I'm very proud to be part of the NHS. I, I can't really say any more than that. It's wonderful. No, wow. Wonderful. Oh, thank you so much and enjoy your evening. Thank you, I will do. Thank you for <laughs> thank talking you. Hello there, how does it feel to be uh, celebrating on this momentous occasion? Well, it's fantastic and great to see Radio Broccoli here as always. So, um, yes. yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful day. I mean, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Stanmore. I've been in the NHS for 25 years. My, my family, my sisters and my mother between us, we've clocked up 150 years. Um, and the NHS is a real source of pride for this country. I think the RNOH is an organisation of which we should all be extremely proud. Um, it's, in, it's at the brightest point in its history as it's being rebuilt. Um, it's, you know, it's been a long journey and it will continue to be a long journey. Um, and in terms of the, the years ahead in the National Health Service, we're going through um, periods of change as we do in health services across, across yeah. the globe. There's infinite demand for what we can do for patients, limited resources. Um, but I feel fundamentally optimistic that uh, a National Health Service which sticks to its core beliefs around providing care free at the point of need, not based on how wealthy you are, yes. that's such a powerful value for an organisation. And that is truly the envy of the world, no matter what anybody tries to say about it. I know that it is truly the envy of the world that our National Health Service holds on to those values. And I think we'll go through 
difficult times, but we'll come out the other end in, a, in ultimately a positive place because our values are so strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in 70 years' time, we'll, be, we'll have artificial intelligence, we'll have robots, <laughs> we'll have um, automatic operations, we'll have, but the, the, the medical profession, the, the, the clinical professionals will ultimately be our therapists, our guides through all the technology yes. and all the things that we can do to you because yeah. none of us are going to understand all of that. We will yeah. need the computers to tell us the answers. Um, and I think the technology revolution in healthcare is going to be the next big thing. Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean we need less people. It probably means we need more therapists to take us through yes. that journey yes. of what the health Absolutely. systems can do for us. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm optimistic. So that sounds great. And you've got a new build to look forward That's to That's right. As We're well. opening it up. We handed over in August. I'm glad to say it's on time, on budget. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's looking absolutely fantastic. It's our, you know, what I describe as our first real proper hospital building yeah. on the Stanmore site since yeah. the Canadians put the war huts up in 1942. Yeah. And, and that's the anchor in the ground out of what so much else that is flourishing. A new academic block that UCL are putting up, that's starting in, in the autumn. Our new yes. uh, family accommodation and uh, step-down unit and new Graham Hill house are called our Princess Eugenie house. So these, uh, and we'll even have a multi-storey car park and new staff wow, accommodation. Okay. So this is a, all in all over hundred million pounds worth of investment into the Stanmore site. Yeah. Slowly but surely we're getting there and the buildings yes. are going up. Yes, oh it sounds really exciting. And lastly you must be feeling incredibly proud to see so many of your staff here celebrating this evening. Absolutely, well I've, I've come back from uh, Westminster Abbey where there was the official service to celebrate yes. the 17th anniversary. Uh, and as I said at the beginning there, what, what makes me so proud is this is the R&OH way. We're standing on a lovely summer's evening out here in Stanmore. Um, yes, some old buildings in the background that yes. eventually we hope to replace. But people um, talking to each other, there's a lovely atmosphere. Uh, and it's a great place to work. And that's why we're continuing our mission to make it the place, best place to work in the NHS within the next five years. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, fantastic stuff. Well, happy birthday to the NHS. An incredible milestone there. And don't forget, you can catch up with this and other editions of Broccoli News by logging onto our website at radiobroccoli.org and following the links to our YouTube site from there. And if there's anything else happening in and around the hospital that you want to find out more about, you can get in contact with us here on extension 5483 or on 0208 954 6591. And we'll try and cover it on future editions of Broccoli News and Broccoli News Extra. Stay tuned to Radio Broccoli across the week for more information about the events and services available in the hospital hospital along with the widest range of music you'll ever want to hear to suit all tastes and you can now catch broccoli news extra on radio broccoli monday to friday lunchtimes at midday and monday evenings at eight plus broccoli news every sunday for half an hour just before bedside bingo from me alan joyce goodbye